Well, again, thank you so much for being with us this morning. And I mean that with uh, everything in me. I'm so happy that you are here. It has already been mentioned once or twice, but this weekend is a celebration because it is the fifth anniversary of the Bridge Church. And so we want to spend this weekend um, thanking God for what he has done in, and among us and through us and uh, truly just have a weekend of, of celebration. It was five years ago this weekend where we um, were outside basically the entire weekend, sweating profusely, um, making ourselves known to the community. And um, since then, it has been quite a ride. It, it really has. We have um, been down a very interesting road. We've had our ups and we've had our downs, and yet God has worked in and through it every single moment. And it's pretty cool to to look back and see the, the different things that he has done. But as I was reflecting on really where we've come from over the last five years, I um, started to realize um, just how good he has been to us. Over the last five years, um, we have seen lives changed, we've seen yeah. families changed, and we've seen people who have been helped, and it's been a beautiful thing. Um, we have gone from a few people in an empty bare room where you are sitting right now to now two services because we can't fit everybody into one. Um, we have gone from just a handful of people who are serving in the church to now nearly 75% of our church is faithfully serving every single week. And we went from absolutely no online presence to listen to this in the last year, over 50,000 views on Facebook and YouTube. So uh, he is to be glorified for what he is doing in and among us. And yet... As I think about this weekend, if I'm being honest with you, I want to reflect and I want to be thankful, but where my mind is more than anything is where we're headed, where, where we're going. And that's what this re weekend represents more than anything, is not just what he's done, but what he's getting ready to do. Because I'm telling you, I am so excited about the things that I see around this place. I'm so excited about the ways that he is changing people's lives and, and the sacrifices that are being made. I promise you special things are happening around here. And so, yes, I want to celebrate, but I also want to celebrate what he's getting ready to do because I cannot wait to see what it's going to look like. Amen? Amen. Well, let's go ahead and get into today's message. I am excited to get into this. If you were here last week, you know that we started a brand new series called The Power of Perspective. And so last week, we started just by talking about really the impact of our perspective, like just how big a deal this really is. And what we first determined is that perspective is really just our point of view. Right? It's the way that we view the things happening in our lives. And yet, as simple as that sounds, it impacts everything. It impacts everything for us. It impacts every decision that we make. It impacts our attitude on a day-to-day -day basis. It impacts every thought, really, that runs through our head. A perspective impacts everything. And if that's the case, really our ultimate aim through this series is trying to ultimately receive a godly perspective. That's what we want to have. How can we see through his eyes? How can we see things like him? And so last week we started down that road and we started by talking about a perspective of faith, which is a good place to start. And what we ultimately determined 
is that a perspective of faith shows us that while we can't physically see everything that's happening in our lives around us, ultimately we trust that God is in control, that he knows what he's doing, and therefore we can rest in his promises. That's what this perspective shows us. And so rather than getting caught up in our circumstances and and the problems of life, we're gonna keep our eyes on him and, and trust that when he says he's for us, that he means that. And trust that when he says that he's working all things for the good of those who love him, that he means that. Like we wanna rest in those things, live in those things. That's the perspective we want to have as his people. And man, I think last week was exactly what many of us, myself included, really, really truly needed. And I feel the same way today. So I'm excited to jump on in. So we are shifting from a perspective of faith into a perspective of the church, okay? That's what I wanna talk about today. That's what I want to begin to unpack is what a perspective of the church truly looks like. And uh, in some ways, this is a really applicable topic for this weekend because we're gonna be talking about the concept of the church on the fifth anniversary of our church. So that's certainly fitting. And yet in another way, it's not all that fitting because I'm just telling you now that this really isn't a, a celebratory type of message, all right? And I don't even mean that in a bad way. I just mean in terms of the tone and some of the things that we're gonna be talking about, it really isn't like a rah-rah type of message like you might be anticipating on a celebration weekend. And so anytime we get into these types of discussions, I always like to just start by setting some good expectations because I just wanna make sure that we're all on the same page as we walk into this. And so let me just lay a few things before you before we even begin. There is a good chance that at some point throughout this message, I am going to hurt some of your sensibilities, okay? There's, there's a good chance at some point I'm gonna affect some of your feelings and your instinct might be to, to fight against me a, a little bit. At least that's what I would do. That's how I react. And so here's what I would ask of you guys, okay? I would ask that you try your best to, to soften your hearts, to consider these things and just see what God might revealed to you. I think if we take that posture, then we're going to get exactly what we need out of this message. I was thinking about perspective and, and I was realizing that really oftentimes gaining perspective does hurt a little bit. It, it is kind of a difficult process because we have to be shown how we're looking at things incorrectly. And we don't like that. We don't like to be wrong, right? And so again, our instinct is, is to fight against that. But sometimes we just have to rip that Band-Aid off and really see things the way that we need to. And so it might feel a little bit like that this morning, but I believe this is exactly what we need to hear today, okay? So let's, let's begin this message. When we talk about a perspective of the church, um, the first thing that I want you to realize is the word and the concept of church um, comes about in many different ways throughout scripture, okay? So we can see this referring to a few different things. We can see in scripture that it talks about a, a local congregation of people or a local church. We do get that sense in scripture. In fact, as we read through the book of Acts, we see different ch- uh, churches being planted. We, we see as we read through Paul's letters that he's writing to different churches. So we see this in scripture. We also see it referring to just a time of assembling together what we're doing today. We would call this kind of a church service. We do see that in scripture as well. In fact, the Greek word for assembly and church are sometimes used interchangeably in the Greek. And so we do get that sense. But for the purposes of today's message, 
message, when we talk about the church, we are talking about the universal church of Jesus Christ. In other words, all of God's people for all of time. That is the church. So we're not talking about a perspective of the bridge church, our local church. We're, we're not talking about a perspective of a church service. We're talking about all of God's people, all of those who have truly given their lives to Christ. This is what we're talking about. And this is the perspective that I think we need to better understand, okay? So you might be wondering right out of the gate, what exactly do we mean when we talk about a perspective of the church? And so this is how we're gonna approach this, okay? We're gonna start by talking about um, two aspects of our identity as the church. And then we're gonna finish by talking about what that should ultimately lead us to, okay? So here's who we are. This is our identity. And then this is what it should ultimately lead us to as his people. And as we unpack this, I believe we're gonna get the perspective that we need, okay? So let's jump right into this and let's start talking about the identity of the universal church, all of God's people. And I think when we start this topic, really where we need to begin, when we look at our identity as the church, as the people of God, we first need to understand that we are strong and we are victorious. That's who we are as the people of God. We are strong and we are victorious. And I think this is something that we need to keep in front of us more than we do in order to have the perspective that we need to, okay? Now, if you think through this logically, this certainly stands to reason. We are all the time talking about and singing about how God is all powerful, how he never fails, how he never loses. And if that is the case, then we should realize as his people that we can stand strong in those things, right? We are strong and victorious in and through him. And we certainly see this as we read through scripture. Let me give you a few examples. So let's go to 1 John. Chapter five, verse four, this is what we read. For whatever is born of God, so, so that's the church, that's the people of God. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So as people of faith, as children of God, those who have been born from him, we have overcome the world. We are victorious. First Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 57 it says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It couldn't be any more plain than that. We have the victory through Jesus Christ. But watch what Paul goes on to say in verse 58. Think about this perspective. He says, therefore, because of this victory, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So Paul says, guys, we are victorious. We win. And because of that, we should be steadfast. We should be unshakable. We should keep working knowing that it's not in vain. That's the perspective that we should have. Let me give you one more example. These are the very words of Christ. And as I often say, our ears should perk up as we hear that. Interestingly enough, this is the very first time that the Greek word church shows up in the New Testament. And it's only one of two times that Jesus uses this word throughout the gospels. So needless to say, this is a very important scripture for us. Now you'll see he's talking to Peter here. Watch what he says about his church, Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Man, I love that. Jesus says, you are my church. You are my people and nothing can stand against you. We are victorious. 
Now, I want to go back to 1 Corinthians 15 just for a second here because I think it points out one of the most important things that we need to realize within this concept. And that is, listen, guys, yes, we are strong and victorious. That's who we are. That is our identity. But we are not strong and victorious in ourselves. In other words, our strength, our power, our victory comes through Christ. And oftentimes this is where we begin to go off track a little bit because we start thinking that our power and our victory comes from us, right? And then before you know it, with that perspective, we actually start falling apart a little bit. Like we start realizing we're not that strong. We're, we're not that wise. And then we start questioning the things happening in our lives and if we can get through it. But you know, even Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. There are no limits to what you can do through Christ who strengthens you. So it's important to realize as we see this identity of strength and victory, we always have to realize he is the foundation. He is the reason. He is the source. And this is where our confidence must come from as his people. Okay. Now now think about this. Can you just imagine what type of perspective, and I mean everyday perspective that you and I might live in, if we truly realized this is our identity? Like if we truly realize we are strong, we are victorious, when all is said and done, we win. Can you imagine how we would live our lives if we truly had that perspective? I was thinking about this within the context of sports because that's just often where my mind goes. And I started to think, what if the Cardinals knew that they were gonna win the World Series every year? Like they, they knew that, it was a fact, it was going to happen. I started to think, how much joy would they get to play with? Like how much fun would that be just knowing that you're gonna get to win? In fact, how hard would it be to discourage them? Like I struck out, who cares? We're gonna win in the end, right? Think about that. Now listen, that's the perspective of the church. We shouldn't get down on ourselves. We shouldn't get caught up in every little mistake. We are hopeful. We are encouraged. We are unshakable because in him as his people, this is our identity. We are strong and we are victorious. It's about time we had that perspective. Let's keep this in front of us because this is truly who we are, okay? Now, now let's talk about the second aspect of our identity as the church. And this is where we're gonna spend most of our time this morning. And so you can go ahead and buckle in. It might get a little bumpy at times, just as a warning. But I'm really, I'm really excited to jump into this because I think we need to hear this. And so as we look at the church and our identity, we learn that not only are we strong and victorious, we are also different and we are diverse. This is the other aspect of our identity that I think we need to better understand. And so let me show you this through the book of Revelation, the very last book in the Bible, because I think we get some really key information here that we need to understand because the apostle John, who is writing this book, as we read through, we actually see that he's getting some glimpses into like the, the heavenly realm. Like he actually gets to see things through like a a heavenly perspective. And within this perspective, I want you to take note of a common thread that we see through his writing. See if you can catch this. Let's start in Revelation 5, verse 9. This is what we read. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Watch verse 10. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign upon the earth. Revelation 7 
verse nine. It says, after these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb. What a beautiful, beautiful picture that is. And then Revelation 14, six, and I saw another angel flying in mid heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth, to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. So as we look through John's heavenly perspective, we get to see some really cool things, right? We, we see that there are new songs being sung. We see that the gospel is being preached. We see Christ being exalted. We even see the people of God reigning upon the earth. Yet another reminder of our power and our victory in him. But the one common thread that we saw in each one of these scriptures is that the participants of this are from every tribe, every nation, every people, and every tongue. In other words, listen to me, the true church of Jesus Christ, the true kingdom of God, we are as different and as diverse as any mixture or group that you can imagine. We, we are talking about people that you've never met before, cultures you're not familiar with, languages you didn't even know existed. When we talk about the church, when we get that perspective, this is who we're talking about. We are different and we are diverse. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Because this is where we have to begin to dig in and really do some hard work with this concept. Because maybe when I throw that out there, initially you're thinking, yeah, I already knew that, all right? I I mean, it makes sense that everybody would be represented in the kingdom. He's created all of us, and, and that's great. But sometimes the biggest fight against perspective is that we don't really dig into things as much as we should. See, see, oftentimes we stop at the surface and it ends up impairing the perspective that we need to have. And here's the truth of the matter, whether you realize this or not, there's a very good chance that you do not have a healthy perspective when it comes to the true diversity of God's people. That's the truth of the matter. There's a good chance that you're not looking at this the way that you need to. And I'm probably gonna take this in a different direction than you might be anticipating. So please, please lean into this right now. If you were to do some research and if you were to survey the world and the current effects of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what you would find is that the greatest revival in the world today is happening in the country of Iran. As we sit here today, Iranians are coming to Jesus at a higher rate than anywhere else in the world. It's estimated that since the beginning of the pandemic, a little over a year ago, millions of Iranians have for the first time heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And in response, thousands every month are making the decision that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of their lives. It's amazing. There are signs and miracles and wonders happening happening amongst them. I mean, you honestly, you can't help but like tear up as you read through the countless stories of lives being changed and families being impacted. It's it's beautiful what God is doing. But here's the flip side of that story. As the Christian conversions go up month over month throughout the country of Iran, so has the violence, so has the imprisonment, so has the persecution. In fact, the Iranian government literally has full agencies being dispatched all across the country to seek out those who might be converting to Christianity. And if they are found to be participating in church of any kind, they can be arrested on the spot and serve up to 10 years in prison. This is happening. And and unfortunately, it doesn't stop there. If they're not caught by the government, they're disowned by their families for making that decision. If they're not disowned by their families, they might be gunned down by local militia. And, and that's not a joke, that's happening. 
In fact, one of the reasons that the conversion numbers are so astonishing is that some of these people literally have to put their very lives on the line just to report that they've accepted Jesus into their lives. They have to risk their lives just to share this news with other people. This is happening right now in our world today. And God is doing unbelievable things through it. Unbelievable things. Now, why am I telling you this? Why, why am I filling you in on this today? Well, because I would venture to say that the vast majority of people in this room, may, maybe all of you, but certainly the vast majority are hearing this information for the very first time. And I find it interesting that in a world where news travels faster than wildfire and where you can find anything you want with the snap of a finger, that we, the church, are completely unaware of the greatest church revival happening in our world today. Like it, it got me thinking a little bit, how could that be? If we are people who should first and foremost be about the mission and work of Jesus Christ, shouldn't we be well aware of this? Like, shouldn't we be well aware that God is changing the world through these people? In fact, shouldn't we be giving and supporting and praying over these people? Why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we aware of this? And there's a very clear answer because we don't have a good perspective. In fact, we don't have the right perspective. See, the problem with our perspective is that we are so consumed with ourselves that we don't see the full picture of the true church of Jesus Christ. We're so consumed that we really don't see the full kingdom of God on display. So consumed with our world, with our culture, with our country, that we don't see the full scope perspective of the things of God. And it's a problem. It's a problem. In fact, one of the leaders of this Iranian revival was recently interviewed. And he was asked specifically about the culture of the Western church. He's talking about us, our church culture. And among other things, listen, listen to what he said about us. He said, at times it's like the West is under some sort of spiritual lullaby. It's like when it comes to Jesus, sometimes it's like people are going, shh, 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 shh go back to sleep. Now's not the time to wake up. You, you need to go back to bed. This is the culture of the West that I see when it comes to Jesus. Now, initially, that might not do anything for you. And so let me dig into this a little bit and tell you what I think he's trying to communicate. In our culture, everything is so stinking convenient for us. Nothing is difficult. We have so many things to capture our attention, so many things to hold our focus that when it comes to the things of God, it's like we're sucking on our comfy little pacifiers, not paying attention to what's really going on in the spiritual realm. We have all of these spiritual realities playing out right in front of our faces, but we just keep being lulled right back to sleep. Right back to sleep we go. Lay your head down and go right back to sleep. This is what I think he was trying to tell us. Now, here's the thing. If you know me at all, I'm not a gloom and doom type of person, all right? I'm not the type of person to blow things out of proportion, but the truth of the matter is, as I listen to this man's description of us, I couldn't help but admit I, I have no rebuttal to that. Like there's nowhere I can push back on that because the truth of the matter is as I survey our culture, he's absolutely right. I mean, he's absolutely right. Everything is so easy for us. Listen to me, living for God has become so easy for us that it's almost become more of a curse than a blessing because we just keep lulling ourselves right back to sleep. Just put your head down, keep, keep going back to sleep. This is happening all around us. We literally have Christian brothers and sisters right now dodging bullets and serving prison time to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Meanwhile, here in the West, we can't come to a weekend service if we're a little bit too tired or if we've had a rough week or if the kid has a ball game. Like, I'm just telling you, can, can you imagine the difference in perspective that we're talking about? 
Now, listen to me. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm not trying to make you feel bad for trying to do your best. What I am trying to do is wake you up to the fact that oftentimes these things end up serving as like a spiritual blanket, just warming us and putting us back to sleep so that we are not about the things that we should be about. And my God, if we don't wake up, then we're not going to see him do the things he wants to around us. It's time to get a little perspective. It's time to get a little perspective. Here's the truth of the matter, guys. The way that we see things in our Western culture is so myopic. Like, like we have such a short-sighted perspective of life and the things that are happening around us. It's kind of scary how true that is. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but do you realize how short-sighted our perspective is in America? Specifically Christians in America, when we get all bent out of shape because of government policies or advancements in technology, as Iranians are getting shot at on their way to church, or as people in sub-Saharan Africa have to watch their sons and daughters die of hunger and thirst before their very eyes, can you imagine what they think as they endure daily persecution and we shake in our boots because of policy changes? Like, do you see how consumed with ourselves that we can get? Now, I'm not telling you to close your eyes to the things happening in this country. What I am telling you is get some perspective. Like, open your eyes to really see everything that's going on around you. Like, here's some perspective, and you're probably not gonna like it, but I'm gonna say it anyways. Listen, guys, our identity in this life is not that we are Americans. That's not your identity. Your identity is that you are a child of God. That's who you are. First and foremost, you are his. Now, we can be Americans. We can be proud Americans. Nothing wrong with that. But when we mix our identity up in that, we very quickly lose perspective on the real purpose in life. Very quickly lose perspective on what really matters most. By the way, this is why politics in this country just get more and more messy and ugly because our identity is wrapped up in it. So it's no longer just that the Republicans have this viewpoint, the Democrats have that viewpoint. No, it's like they're messing with your identity. You mess with my identity, I'll put my life on the line for that, right? I mean, I will fight tooth and nail for that, but what if, what if your identity truly was in Christ? What if you had that same passion and fervor and vigor for the things of God and for spreading the good news of what he's done for you? What if that were the case? Can you imagine the impact that you could make? Could you imagine the lives that you could change? We have to wake up and get a little perspective of who we are and what God has called us to do. Now, now listen, I don't want anybody misunderstanding me. This is, this is not an anti-America message, not even close. In fact, I would beg of you that you pray for our country. I mean, get on your knees and pray for this country. Be good citizens of this country. Drive positive change in this country. Yes and amen. The point is, I think it's time for us as the church to have a heavenly perspective rather than an earthly one. That's what I'm trying to open your eyes to. Because here's the thing, guys. This is it right here. Our ultimate residence is in heaven with every tribe, with every nation, with every language, and with every people. That is our residence. That is our home. We will not be singing the national anthem in heaven. We will be singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And if that is our eternal perspective, maybe that needs to be our present one as well. We need to get our perspective back where it needs to be. We need to get our eyes back on him. Man, we desperately need this. We desperately need this. Now, now let's quickly shift into what that should lead us to. If that is our identity, if we are strong and victorious, if we are different and diverse, what should that ultimately lead to? And so here's the first thing it should lead us to. This should lead us to new levels of unity with one another. Man, we should be more united than ever if we truly understood 
our identity. And scripture is just, man, it's so clear about this. It's so clear. Watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Let there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Romans 14, 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Let's pursue that. Colossians 3, 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Man, we should be a people who are united with one another. Now, there are two different ways of, of looking at this or, or of even saying this. And so this is the first one. If you call yourself a child of God and therefore a part of his family, li- listen to me, I'm being serious. You might as well get used to one another because you're gonna be together for a long time. Yes. Eternity is a long time. And so you better get real used to one another. Seriously, and no joke, this is one of the reasons why we prioritize community around here so much because we are family for eternity. So we might as well love one another well right now. Might as well have some fun together right now, unite together right now because that's our eternal destination. We're together forever. So that's the first way of looking at it. Here's the second way. For far too long now, Christians have been seen and marked by their differences rather than their similarities. And truth be told, it's one of the best ways that we limit our effectiveness as the church, that we limit our strength even. I mean, we are strong, but we are much stronger together. There's no doubt about that. And the idea of our differences goes beyond physical diversity and even into philosophical diversity. In fact, one of the best ways, listen to this, that we have limited our impact as Christians is by focusing so much on where we disagree rather than on where we agree. This has happened over and over again throughout the course of church history. And the shame of it is, if we just focus on the agreed upon part, we might actually be able to make a real impact in this world. Like seriously, think about if Christians across the entire world truly joined hands and approached the mission as one. Like what if that happened? We didn't focus on every little disagreement, on every little secondary belief. We just pointed to Christ and his work on the cross. How much stronger, how much more effective would we be if we were unified? like that. Now, again, I just, I feel the need to, to say this. Uh, you know, it's not bad to research secondary beliefs and, and to have feelings about that and to discuss it. It's one of my favorite things to do. I, I love it. The point is, don't let that get in the way of the mission. Don't let our, our little discrepancies get in the way of what he's really trying to do. Instead, man, let's come together. Let's lead with love and grace and compassion. Let's make the difference that God has placed us here to make. But the only way we can do that is together. The only way we can do that is together. So this is the first good and right response to our identity. We must be united. Now, here's the second one, and this is gonna bring us home today. And uh, man, I want you to really lean into this because ultimately, this is, this is my hopeful response for everybody under the sound of my voice. The ultimate response to me, as we see our identity and, and who we are to be in Christ, is that we should see new levels of passion amongst us. We should be more and more passionate as his people. Listen to me, as Christians, we should always be marked by passion and purpose. Always, always. In fact, let me put it this way. As Christians, you shouldn't be recognized based off of your weekly attendance or based off of your begrudging service. You should be recognized based off of your radical love for the people around you. You should be recognized for your constant hunger and thirst of the word of God. You should be recognized based off of your desire and relentlessness to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how you should be recognized by your passion for him. And let me tell you why I think it's important to talk about this 
within the context of today's message. I'm gonna go back to the book of Revelation one last time. We're gonna go to chapter three and we see an interesting thing here because what we see is that there are letters that are written to certain churches. And as you, as you study the book of Revelation, you will learn that these letters were written to a specific people at a specific time for a specific purpose. And yet as the universal church, we can take things from this. And these are written from the perspective of Christ. So as you read these, it should be as if Christ were talking to the church, to us, okay? So think about that. Revelation 3, starting in verse 15. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Watch what he says in verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Listen, therefore be zealous and repent. This is what Jesus says, be zealous and repent. See, here's the truth of the matter. If we're being really honest, if we're being really transparent, we have lost our zeal for the things of God. We've lost our zeal. We talked about it earlier. Everything is so easy. Everything is so convenient for us that we no longer see a need for passion and, and for fervor when it comes to God. I mean, if I could just get away with a quick daily prayer and weekly attendance, I'm good. But again, can we get a little perspective, guys? Like, can we open our eyes and think about what other people are going through right now just to be in the position that we're in? What other people are enduring right now to be in the seats that you guys are in? Listen to me, would you be here if you knew that at some point on your way in, you might have to dodge gunfire? Would you be here this morning? Would you be here if you thought at any moment the government could raid this place and haul you off to prison for the next 10 years? Would you be here? See, if you don't read Revelation 3.15 and, and, and think that it applies to us, like if you don't think that we have become lukewarm in our church culture, if you don't think we have placed our wealth ahead of him, I mean, I don't know what else to say to you to wake you up from your spiritual slumber. We have put so much of our time and our joy and our priority into the things of this world that we have lost perspective on what the true priority is. We have, it's a fact. And it's not that you don't believe that, it's that you don't want to believe that. Because if you did believe it, that means you might actually have to sacrifice some things in this life. It means you might actually have to give some things up in order to, to truly serve him. And you don't wanna do that because you love it too much. You love the money too much. You love the stuff too much. You have put your heart in these things. And what has happened is it's become that soothing little pacifier that's keeping you asleep so that you don't realize what's truly important in this life. See, the sacrifices that God asks from us are so much deeper than you think. The level of commitment that God requires from you is so much more than we give. And again, this is no secret. Just read through his word. Watch what Jesus says in Matthew 16, verse 24. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Verse 25, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the level of sacrifice he's talking about. We should be all in on this. And it doesn't stop there. Throughout the whole rest of the New Testament, we continue to see this. Romans 12.1 says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Every moment of every day, we should be living as a sacrifice to him. 
Galatians 2.20 says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the level of commitment. Do you see it? We're supposed to have everything in this. We are supposed to be completely given to him. This is not a casual endeavor. This is everything. And if you can't look around at the world we live in, and I'm talking about our culture, our world, and realize how much of it keeps us from that, I honestly don't know what else to say to you. And see, this is why Jesus says, be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent because for far too long, we have placed these things ahead of him. For far too long, we have placed so much of these things in front of him. And you can call them distractions all you want. The Bible more aptly calls them idols. And Jesus says, be zealous and repent. This is what he calls from us. So here's what I wanna do. My notes are done. Now I wanna respond. So if I could get you to stand to your feet. Guys, this message means everything to me. My prayer is that this church would be full of people who have given everything to him. That we don't treat this as a casual endeavor, that this isn't just another check mark on the calendar. We are giving everything to him. That's my prayer. Listen, I can't, I, can't, I can't pastor a church that's casual toward the thing of God, things of God. I just, I can't do it. I can't, I can't pastor leaders who are casual about the things of God. I refuse to do it. But if you wanna lay everything on the line, if you wanna throw everything in and say, Let's go change this community. Let's go change this city. Let's go change this world. Let's go make an impact. I can give my life for that. I will give my life for that. And so this is my prayer for us, that we would be a church who is truly all in on him, all in on his mission. That there's no way anybody could look at us and say, you're lukewarm. No, 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 no. We've got everything on the So if you could just close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, right now I, I pray, I ask that you would stir in our hearts and minds in a way that sustains, that you would change us to where we can't move forward with a casual perspective of you anymore to where, where we literally cannot move forward just looking at this as another check mark on our to-do list. But that from this day forward, our perspective would be that we are all in on you. We are all in on your mission. We are all in on your purpose. God, I pray right now, of your people, everybody under the sound of my voice right now, that you would move in our hearts in a way that truly changes us. That 
perspective of who we are and who you have called us to be. And in response, that we would lay it down at your feet. We would lay everything down.